As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner tonight. I'm here with Joel Renner, Denise Renner, and Paul Renner. And Denise, you look really nice tonight, and you're wearing your Roman glass. Thank you, Rick. And I just want to thank you again for buying this for me. I really like it. I really like it, too. Hey, but we want you to get the whole series called The Holy Spirit and You. And we want you to have the study guide, which is free. You know, we make all of our study guides for free because we can. We want to bless you. And the study guides are loaded. It is like we just set the banquet table for you. All you have to do is pull up a chair to the table and eat. It's all right here. So you can get the series and you can get the free download. And right now we're also offering you my book called The Holy Spirit and You Working Together as Heaven's Dynamic Duo. It is not a deep scholarly theological work. It's designed to lead people who are hungry into a deeper place. And if you're hungry for more, this is the book for you. Amen. Amen. And if you need prayer, let us know how to pray for you. We believe in prayer in this ministry. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things. And when we pray in faith, God really does great and mighty things in people's lives. Amen. Amen. We have two more things we're going to cover tonight about the 10 ministries of the Holy Spirit. Then the next two nights, we're going to talk about different things about the Holy Spirit that are really important. But tonight, we're going to see the Holy Spirit reveals things to us, and the Holy Spirit helps us to worship. In John 13, verse, John 16, verse 13, Jesus said, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all the truth. We saw that last night. Now listen to this. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will what? Show you things to come. Joel? My translation says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not be presenting his own ideas. He will be telling you what he has heard. That's awesome. Well, the King James Version says he will show you things to come. I'm going to read you from my notes. The word show, listen to this means to tell all the way up from the beginning to the conclusion. It means to fully tell, to fully share, or even to rehearse. I really like that idea. The Holy Spirit will rehearse to you things to come. Well, when you think about a rehearsal, you're getting ready for something. So if the Holy Spirit is rehearsing things to us, He's getting us ready for something. And when you rehearse, there's a lot of repetition. You do it again and again and again and again and again, which means when the Holy Spirit begins revealing things to us, He is so committed to showing us everything we need to know from the beginning to the conclusion that if necessary, He will rehearse it to us. He'll tell it to us again and again and again and again and again, and the Holy Spirit will reveal many things to us. He will reveal scriptural truth to us, he will reveal everything we need to know about life. He'll reveal to us what we need to avoid. He'll reveal to us everything we need to do in order to have victory in our life. And the truth is, if we will surrender to the Holy Spirit's involvement in our life, we will no longer grope aimlessly through life trying to figure out what to do because He will guide us. 
and he will reveal to us everything we need to know. And in fact, Paul summarizes the ministry of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. It's one of my favorite verses about the Holy Spirit. In verse 10, he says, I has not seen, mm. ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And Denise, you and I grew up hearing people say, well, like the Bible says, there's just some things you can't know. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Some things are just a mystery. You just can't see, you just can't know. That's not what it says at all. The next verse says, but God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. And the word revealed is a Greek word, apokalupsis. The word apo means apart. The word kalupsis means to veil, to pull the veil apart. It's like when we were kids growing up on the west side of, side of Tulsa. We had a big picture window in our house. Mm -hmm. Remember when people used to have big picture glasses? We had one too. And of course, we had a big curtain. Well, when the curtain was closed, the room was dark. Yes. Well, guess what? Beyond that curtain, there was something to see, but you couldn't see it. It was there. You just couldn't see it because the curtain was closed. But my mother's curtain had a string. We'd pull on that string. Maybe you had one too. And little by little, the curtain would begin to part. And suddenly we could see what was on the other side. It was there all the time. We just couldn't see it because the curtain was closed. And now we find that in life, there are scriptures that we don't understand. There are things that we don't see. There's all kinds of things we're unable to see because they're closed to us. But the Holy Spirit's job is to begin to remove our blinders so we can begin to see. And He begins to reveal things to us. And suddenly, Maybe there was a time when I could not see and ear could not hear, but the Holy Spirit came and Paul says, but he's been given to reveal these things to us, which means we're not supposed to live in the dark anymore. We're supposed to see and hear and know. And in fact, in verse 12, listen to what Paul says. Here he wraps it up. Now we have received, 1 Corinthians 2, 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The Holy Spirit came that we might know. He is a revealer. Mm -hmm. He is a revealer. And the word know is a Greek word, oida, which means to see, to perceive, to understand, and comprehend, which means God wants us to see and understand many things, personal issues, scriptural truths, practical and spiritual things, and it is the Holy Spirit's job to reveal them to us that we might know. We are not supposed to be living in the dark. Joel? It sounds like when the Holy Spirit reveals what you're supposed to know, it's going to be this full HD picture, and you're going to know the beginning, the end, and where you're going, and the whole picture. But that doesn't seem like that's reality. Well, wait Spirit, a minute. Your experience tells me it's a little tug. You know, move this way. Go that well, direction. When you open a, when you open the curtains, do you just suddenly open them? No, you pull them apart. You see a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, and the more it's put, it gets bigger and bigger. And sometimes that's the way revelation comes. Mm -hmm. You see a slither, and then you you begin to see, wow, there's more to this, and there's more to this, and there's more to this. But the point is, 
we're not supposed to live in the dark. We're supposed to have a full view and the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal to us and sometimes he just tells us and tells us and tells us and tells us. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit say something to you over and over and over and over? Sometimes people say to me, they'll, they'll write to me and they'll say, Brother Rick, I like your teaching so much, but why do you always repeat the previous day's teaching? Because I want us to make sure we really got it. And I learned it from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit repeats things. He rehearses. Denise? Well, I'm thinking about um, what the Holy Spirit's been talking to me about, about forgiveness, because um, I've taught on forgiveness so many, many, many times. I have a book on forgiveness. <clears throat> and Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 uh, that if you have to forgive 490 times a day, this is, this is what he, his requirement is. Well, so I've thought about that and I've thought about that. And the Holy Spirit, he's been showing me that, that the depths of his love, okay, the width, the depth, the height of his love. And, and it says that we might know the width and the depth and the height of his love. And as his love grows in, in, in understanding in us, it widens us to grasp this point of forgiveness. I find, Rick, that forgiveness kind of comes in layers sometimes. It does. It's like peeling back an onion. And as you forgive, say someone's really hurt you and, and you've forgiven, but you may have some residue of that. And the more that he reveals the Holy Spirit, his love, and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper inside of you, then it reveals that power to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. And that brings us into a place of freedom. Mm, that's powerful, Denise. Joel? I have another question. Yes. And it's not really have anything to do with what you just said, Mama. I don't mm -hmm. think so. Uh -huh. But how do you know the difference between, you know, this is my idea or is this the leading of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me tell you, you just have to learn it. That's true. You just have to learn it. Mm. People always ask that question. You just have to learn it. It comes by practicing, it comes, doesn't it? It comes by right? practicing. And it's, you can learn it. Mama and I learned it. Anybody can learn it. But I want to go to the next point. And that is the Holy Spirit helps us to worship. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have trouble being um, expressive in worship. So I want to give you a scripture that Jesus gave mm -hmm. about the Holy Spirit helping us to worship. And in John chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus simply said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he shall glorify me. Which means the Holy Spirit is a glorifier for the Holy Spirit is a worshiper. And the word glorify is a Greek word, do, doxado, from the word dokeo. Now, this is really interesting to me because most people think really fabulous worship is spontaneous and exuberant. But the word glorify is from the word dokeo, which means to think. Which means worship is mental and it is intentional. Now, there may be moments of spontaneity, but they're created. 
you make room for them because somebody has put their mind to it. So when you really worship, you put your mind into it. You put your mind into it. You make room for it. Now today, it's really hard for a lot of churches to have big moments of expressive worship because people are coming in, people are moving out, you're making time for the next service. We have the same problem in our church. So we intentionally put our mind to it to create moments when we don't have any restrictions. We have a Friday night service once a week where we can just worship as long as we want to worship. But what I want you to see is the Holy Spirit puts his mind into how he's going to glorify Jesus. I think this is important because sometimes people get super spiritual and they say, well, real worship should not be planned. It should just be spontaneous. That's not what the word glorify means. It means to put your mind into it. Well, if you're going to worship something, it means you have to know something about what you're worshiping or who you're worshiping. And as your revelation grows, who you're worshiping or what you're being grateful for, all of a sudden you, you get ideas, you get plans, you get images in your mind that you can then put effort and energy into. So when we talk about worship, you have to know who you're worshiping. You have to know why you're worshiping. And the deeper knowledge you get of who you're worshiping and why you're worshiping, the more, the more decorative, the more eloquent your worship gets because you want to put more into it because all of a sudden you realize he's worthy. He's worth it. You can put more effort into it because he'll notice what you're putting into it. And it's another way of showing him how much you love him. Well, the word glorify also means to give weight to. It really agrees with what you're saying. But you know, Paul, a lot of people talk about Old Testament David's worship. Mm -hmm. And during Solomon's time, they talk about all the worshipers and all the musicians. You know what? You can't do what David did and what Solomon did without a lot of thinking and a lot of organization. Oh, yes. It was very intricate. And the glory of God came in. I mean, the presence of God came in like a cloud so the priests couldn't even stand on their feet to do their service. And it came on top of all of that organization and thoughtful worship. But when you come to John chapter 4, Jesus talks about worship. And I want us to look at it because Jesus uses the word worship five times in two verses. Look at it. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Jesus said, The hour cometh and now is when true worshipers, there it is, worshipers. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. When true worshipers, so there's the word worshiper, shall worship, there's the second use of the word worship, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship, there it is again, worship Him, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him, there's the fourth time, will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Jesus uses the worship, word worship five times in two verses. The word worship is the Greek word proskuneo. Hmm. It's a compound of two words. The word pros means to draw near. The word kaneo means to kiss. Mm. To come near to kiss. I'm going to read to you. When these two words are compounded into one, they form the Greek word pros kaneo, which means to fall on the ground towards someone to kiss. And during the time the New Testament was being written, it was especially used to depict one who fell on the prostrate on the ground before somebody superior in order to worship. When used to depict a person's worshipful position before the Lord, the word worship, the Greek word proskuneo, 
depicts one who has prostrated himself either outwardly or inwardly in his heart, bowing in his knees or in his heart before God to worship, and it pictures one who uses, listen to this, all available methods necessary to worship and to adore God. This would include singing, playing musical instruments, dancing, using movements, gestures, or words to convey one's worship. All of those can be involved, and to use all of those, guess what? You have to put your mind into it. Mm -hmm. Paul? It takes a lot of preparation to prepare worship, specifically what we do on Sundays, but not just what we do as a congregation, what you do personally to show your reverence to the Lord. Perhaps you want to give something special. It takes preparation to give the Lord something special. You have to set money aside. You have to make plans to give the Lord something special. Or perhaps you want to hold an event in your house. You want to have friends over and you want to pray together. It takes time to prepare your home. It takes time to prepare yourself to do something for your friends, for your home group, for your cell group, or for the Lord. It takes time and effort to I do like these that things. because if you're going to have somebody to your house, you don't say, oh, we're just going to have a spontaneous moment. We'll just see what shows up on the table. It doesn't work that way. You plan the event. You have to think about it. You have to put your mind into it to really make somebody feel welcome. But there's one more thing I want to say. There's more to glorifying God than just going to church. Mm -hmm. We're told in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means Denise, Paul, and Joel, and everybody listening, we are walking cathedrals. I don't have to go to church. I am the church. Now, what is a cathedral? A cathedral is a place where God is worshipped or the house of God. I'm a walking temple. You are a walking temple, which means we take God everywhere we go, which means we can have a worship service anywhere we are, whether we're with anybody else or not. I am with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I am a walking cathedral, and so are you. So we can have a worship service anywhere we are. But there's something else that I don't want us to dismiss. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will glorify me. Well, how else does the Holy Spirit glorify Jesus? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. When a demon is cast out of somebody, Jesus is glorified. Mm -hmm. Actions glorify Jesus. When somebody is healed, you know, in the last couple of programs you gave an example of when Marina saw that little boy healed on the street and taking all those gadgets and braces, Jesus was glorified in that event. When we do the works of Jesus, Jesus is glorified. He is glorified. And when you do the works of Jesus, don't just think about worshiping, being in the context of a service, or singing, or dancing, or gestures. When you do the works of Jesus, Jesus is glorified. Mm -hmm. He is glorified. Denise? Well, um... I'm so glad, Rick, that you said that it's about thinking, to think, because I've been studying about um, Mary uh, after Lazarus was raised from the dead, and uh, they invite Jesus over for dinner. It says that Martha serves. It says that Lazarus sat down at the table with Jesus and talked with him, but Mary, she went and got this most, most, most expensive perfume. Well, I've always heard and I've always been 
I've heard it taught that the perfume that she had was saved for uh, you know, her wedding day is a, a beautiful thing to bring into your uh, wedding night. But Jesus didn't say that. He says in John chapter 12, verse 7, because Judas, he, he rebuked her in verse 6. But in verse 7, it says, but Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. And it's really struck me because Mary decided at some point in her journey with Jesus, maybe it was after her brother was raised from the dead, that she was going to take this most precious ointment. And I thought, you know, because it, it says in, if you study it, it says it was almost the equivalent of a year's wages, so take your year's wages, whatever that is, and buy perfume, and you've saved it for somebody's burial. That was her decision. Jesus said, she saved this for my burial. And she thought through so much how she was going to worship. Even after he was dead, she was going to pour that on him. I think she got overwhelmed by his presence during the dinner, and she said, I can't hold it back anymore. i got to pour it on your feet right now, Lord. i just got to take this moment, pour this most expensive oil that I've saved, and pour it on you right now. That's powerful, Denise. She really put her mind into it. She did. Guys, we're out of time. But the Holy Spirit has come to reveal things to us, and He is one who glorifies Jesus. But well, we want you to sleep well tonight, and when we come back tomorrow night, we're going to see something really powerful oh, about the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn that we should not grieve Him. And what does the Bible mean when it says He can be grieved? So we'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.